You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. here for Jack Ward. We're trying to be extra quiet as our show runs over time and maybe the radio DJs replaying the society won't notice and cut us midstream. Uh, so today we have... <laughs> Sorry. Today we have Mad About Madison, a fun quirky show that does a unique twist on old-time radio. Episodes 1 and 2 begin right here on the Sonic Society. Working super hard on a makeup tutorial show. She was teaching smoky eyes to folks out there who really wanted to know when some freaky deaky science stuff only understood by nerds zapped her into old radio shows that kind you might never have heard. Now she should probably be trying to get out. But Madison, she's having fun Living an old-time radio life Our explanation is done Madison is on the air Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true Well, mostly true The names have been changed to protect the innocent You think anyone ever listens and are like Dude, that's totally Carl from work Come on, there's still some copyright laws we aren't breaking. You're a detective sergeant. Hey. You're assigned to homicide detail. Ooh. An attractive divorcee disappears from her home. Attractive? Like anyone's gonna say, the bitch be ugly. There's no lead to her whereabouts. There's evidence of foul play. Your job, find her. It was Tuesday, June 10th. It was mild in Los Angeles. Mild? So like, sweater weather? We were working the day watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Madison Standish. Hi! The boss is Captain Lorman. My name's Friday. We were on our way out of the office, and it was 11.15 a.m. when we got to 2962 Reservoir Street. You the police? You the nosy neighbor who called in the missing persons report? That's right. I'm Mrs. Harrison. Come on in. I got some coffee on if you'd like a cup while we talk. OMG, I could totally go for a mocha latte right about now. 1954 has a surprising lack of Starbucks. No thanks. We'd like to get started on this. Ugh, Joe, you suck. They didn't find anything when they went into Judy's house, did they? No, ma'am. Wonder if you could tell us what you know about her disappearance. Last time I saw her was Friday the 6th, out in her yard. She was out hanging up clothes. Hanging up clothes? Was her dryer broken or something? We got to talking, you know, about neighborhood stuff. No, seriously, like, she should call her landlord about that. Did there seem to be anything wrong then? Besides her having to hang up clothes in the backyard? Electricity is a thing now, right? She, um, doesn't have a dryer. Oh, that Totally blows. What we mean is, ma'am, did she seem upset about anything? Not that she told me about. We were pretty close. She told me just about everything that happened to her. When her and Alan were still married, we used to get together all the time. Have a barbecue, go to the movies. Have a threesome. That sort of thing. I'm sorry, what? Ignore her. Alan, that's Judy's husband? Yeah, Alan Nelson. Oh, he totally did it. She's divorced, is that correct? Uh Uh-huh. But it's not final yet. It's totes the husband. Was there any trouble between them? Yeah, no. They're divorcing because they get along so good. There are amicable divorces. Tell that to the Kardashians. Mrs. Harrison, did they have any arguments? Any disagreements? Off and on. Alan wanted to get back together again. 
But he works down in San Diego, so he's not home much. Did Mrs. Nelson have any men friends? Well, she's a handsome woman. When I hear handsome woman, am I the only one who thinks the woman is, like, manly looking? Like, not bad looking, but maybe she's got, like, a squared off jaw or something? Just me? She does have a lot of men friends. Nailed it, husband. Did Mrs. Nelson see any one person more than the others? David Lansing. They used to go out quite a bit. I think David wanted to marry her as soon as the divorce was final. All right, so it's the husband. Can we go get coffee now? Ooh, or maybe lunch? It's not too early for a Niswa salad, is it? Have you seen this David Lansing around lately? Not since Judy disappeared. If you ask me, I think he had something to do with Judy being gone. What? Why? They were always fighting. I could hear him all the way over here. Ooh, what's the tea? Excuse me? What'd they argue about? David wanted to marry her, but she wouldn't until the divorce was final. Lansing didn't like that, huh? He didn't like it one bit. Like it or not, doesn't she need to be divorced first? Bigamy laws? Anyone? No? He was pretty sore about her still living in Alan's house, even if he was in San Diego. Did any of these arguments ever get serious? If you mean, did he hit her? No. Though, I've seen him so mad, I thought he was going to do it. About ten days ago, I was over there. My TV was on the blank, and I went over to see one of my favorite programs. God, life before on demand. It's positively primitive. David was there, and in no time, they were yelling and screaming. Kind of made me embarrassed. Did you have to bring a jello mold when you went over? I mean, that's a thing in the 50s, right? Then what happened? That's when he said it. Ooh, what'd he say? Said for Judy to get rid of Alan, or David would get rid of her. We continued to question the Harrison woman about Mrs. Nelson. Well, you did. I had to use the bathroom. Thankfully, they had toilet paper in 1954. I mean, seriously, you never know. Madison and I left and went next door. We checked through the Nelson house. It was exactly the way the two uniformed officers had found it that morning. None of the furniture seemed to be disturbed. There was no sign of a struggle. On the dining room table, there was a setting for two people. Silverware, napkins, and glasses were ready to be used. On the plates themselves was a complete meal. None of the food had been touched. Well, no wonder. The food was, give me some fat with a side of grease. You sure she didn't just die from a heart attack? We looked for Mrs. Nelson's luggage. There was no way of being sure, but apparently none of her things had been taken. We went through the house and out into the backyard. There was no sign of anything wrong there either. Yeah, except for clothes hanging from a rope. Seriously, back then did everybody just wave their fruit of the looms around like flags for the whole neighborhood to see? You really need to get over it. I will not. We decided to check out the garage. Trunk there. Better take a look. No way. Looks like stains of some kind. Ew! It's wrapped up. Labels, rope. Like they were going to mail it. You have anything to cut a rope with? Oh, sure. Let me get my rope cutters out of my purse. Strong knots. But I think I got them. Here. Give me a hand with the lock. Hard pass. You're not going to help? You're just going to stand there. You know there's a dead body in the trunk. There's always a dead body in the trunk. I do not need to see the dead body in the trunk. Fine. I got it. Hmm. What? What's in there? Is it a dead body? See for yourself. Oh my god! Joe, you dick! Now we know where she is. I'm so gonna puke. Let's figure out who put her there. A crew from the crime lab was called, and they came out to go over the house and garage. Great, you're monologuing again. A check of the labels on the trunk indicated the trunk was addressed to a David Lansing on Rowena Avenue in Glendale. While the men from the crime lab continued their investigation, Madison and I drove to Glendale to see Lansing. What am I supposed to do while you move the plot along? We found out from headquarters that Lansing had an arrest record listing several drunk charges and two major fights. I really wish I had my iPhone. Lansing wasn't home. 
So we talked to his landlady, but she told us she hadn't seen him in several days. We checked his room and questioned her about his car. She told us where he was employed as well as the name and business address of Lansing's roommate. Don't you find it at all creepy that the landlady knows that much about the guy? I mean, seriously, if my landlord knew that much about me, I'd be getting a restraining order. Lansing's place of employment reported that he hadn't been to work in several days. We drove over to see the roommate. He worked in a large television store on Pico Boulevard. We still haven't eaten lunch. It's got to be like three o'clock by now. You could have had something back at headquarters. No, I couldn't. There was literally nothing but donuts. Apparently you were where that stereotype started. Nothing wrong with donuts. Is there something I can do for you? I'd like to see Mark Gilson. I'm Mark Gilson. Police officers, Mr. Gilson, on Friday. This is my partner, Madison Standish. Do you guys have a vending machine or something? I'd like to ask you a couple questions about David Lansing. Dave in trouble again? A leftover turkey sandwich in the back, maybe? You know where he is? No, I haven't seen him for a couple of days. I'd even go for some boneless chicken wings from Applebee's. Which, spoiler alert, are just chicken nuggets and buffalo sauce. Madison, do you want to go wait in the car? No. Apparently the LAPD couldn't spring for cars with AC. Mr. Gilson, do you have any idea where we can find him? Uh, can I ask what this is about? He might have killed the married woman he's been diddling. We'd prefer to talk to Lansing about it. He asked. When was the last time you saw him? Friday night. He was pretty bugged about Judy. You know Judy Nelson? Never met her. Dave was all the time talking about how we were going to get together some night and have dinner. Never got around to it, though. I know the feeling. Here's the keys. If that tank of yours had power steering, I'd be out of here right now. What did he say about Judy when you saw him last? The way Dave put it, they'd gotten into a beef about her husband Friday. Got pretty mean. Ooh, really? Spill? Yeah, uh... David had been drinking. He doesn't take taboos too good. Oh, I totes understand. Too many shots of tequila for me and... Go on, Mr. Gilson. I told him to take it easy. He said for me not to worry, said he had decided something. I figured it was about Judy. Uh-huh. Funny thing about Dave. It takes him a while to make up his mind what to do, but once he decides, there isn't anything that can stop him. Not always. Huh? Looks like he missed this time. Madison and I went back to the office. After we stopped for some food. Which took forever, by the way, because hello, there isn't any fast food yet. Not even McDonald's. It's like some sort of alternate universe where everybody has to wait for stuff. We put out a local broadcast and an APB on David Lansing, along with the information on his automobile. We made arrangements for a stakeout to be placed on his home. Which thankfully wasn't us. I could not spend another five minutes in the car with Joe. Let's just say he's super possessive of anybody who wants to play with the two-way radio. Madison and I went back to the crime lab and met with Lieutenant Lee Jones. He went over the physical evidence found at the murder scene. The trunk itself had been checked over, as well as the ropes it had been tied up with, and the mailing label. The rope was of a common variety that could be purchased anywhere. The knots, however, were of a type generally used by seamen (laughs) to secure heavy articles. (laughs) What? I'm sorry. That was not cool. Go on. We made arrangements to obtain samples of Lansing's handwriting for comparison with the writing on the label. The next morning, Madison and I met with Captain Lorman and went over what we had. It was decided that David Lansing was the prime suspect. Prime suspect? Are we still focusing on the boyfriend? I'm not saying he doesn't sound like a total douche, but Dave was getting some, right? It's the husband she wasn't putting out for. Why would the guy getting laid kill her? It's logic. After we left the city hall, we started checking on Lansing's friends and acquaintances. The first one we talked to was a Miss Beatrice Fredericks. Madison insisted on leading the line of questioning. Damn straight I did, since you pretty much already decided that that David guy did it. No, I did not. Prime suspect just means... Shh! No more talking. Hey, Beatrice. Sup? What you know about Dave? Honey, he's a bum. Totally got that. Major skis vibe. You think he could kill somebody? Why don't we focus on the facts, rather than guesswork? Oh, right. Just the facts, ma'am. 
I've never actually said that. Really? Google it. Wait, what'd you say? Miss Fredericks, how long have you known David Lansing? About ten years. We went together. What's this about killing somebody? Oop, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> When'd you see him last? I thought I was leading the questioning. Go ahead. Thank you. So, Miss Fredericks, what zodiac sign are you? How is that relevant? Of course you'd ask that. You're such a Leo. Please, Miss Fredericks, when did you last see David Lansing? I guess it was Saturday. Yeah, Saturday night. He came in the bar where I work as a hostess. We talked. I was a hostess at Applebee's. God, I hated all of that standing. Oh, don't I know it, honey. Any chance I get to take a load off. My dogs are always barking. What did you and Lansing talk about? Oh, the old days. I'm not going to give you a line. I carried a torch for the mook. I was set to get hitched. Everything was duck soup until he met this Nelson broad. You talk so old-timey. I have no idea what you said, but it's adorbs. He say anything about Mrs. Nelson Saturday night? Honey, he don't talk about much else. All the time, it's what she said, what she did, all the time that way. But what he say Saturday night about Judy? I totally killed her, or I totally would never kill her. So you're saying Judy's dead? And stuffed in a trunk. It was mega ratchet. Miss Fredericks, we'd just like an idea of Lansing's state of mind when you spoke to him on Saturday. He was upset. They'd been fighting, but he's like that. He spends all his time with her tying him up in knots, and then you know who he goes to when he got problems? I wouldn't know, ma'am. Me, that's who. Ooh, I knew a guy like that in college. Think he's a real big man, all the time with the chicks. Yeah, and you think he likes you, so you stay up all night doing the entire English project by yourself, and then he goes to the Pi Kappa Alpha party with your roommate. I hear that. I tell you what, as soon as he gets back, I'm gonna tell him to leave me alone. Get back. You know where he is? When he come see me Saturday, he said he was broke and needed to borrow some cash because he was going to leave town. I think he said Frisco. Not our prime suspect, huh? Shut up. We went back to the office and got in touch with the authorities in San Francisco and asked them to check on the suspect for us. We put in a call to the coroner's office. The body had been posted and the time of death was set at some time Friday night. Two days passed. Saturday, June 14th, Madison and I checked in to work. I can't believe we got to work on a Saturday. After I got fired from Applebee's, I swore I'd never work another Saturday again. Fired, huh? Surprising. Bite me. You're 35 and you live with your mom. You're 26 and live with your mom. Socioeconomic hard times. Keep telling yourself that. Homicide, Friday. Uh-huh. Yeah. When'd you get him? Yeah. Okay, we'll be right over. Come on. We gotta get over to the main jail. They got Lansing. Stuff is expensive. Do you know how much it costs just to have my phone? And they want you to pay rent every single month. Things are tough all over. It's not like anybody gets paid to do podcasts. Here. Read this under the transition music. I get to do the monologue? Go for it. <clears throat> David Lansing was picked up this morning and booked in violation of section 4127A of the... Ugh, who cares? Keep reading. <laughs> okay, so Dave was picked up totally wasted. Brought to the jail, figured out who he was, blah, blah, blah. Checked out his handwriting to compare with the trunk's label... Are we still thinking he was mailing his dead girlfriend to himself? Seriously? That was a better option than just throwing the trunk in the back of his car? Come on, small cars in the 1950s make a Chevy Suburban look like a compact. When you do the monologues, try not to editorialize. I'll finish. Madison and I took the suspect to the interrogation room for questioning. He was fairly sober, but complained of a bad headache. Madison went down the hall and brought back some hot coffee. Still no mocha lattes. We told Lansing of Judy Nelson's death. Didn't seem to make much of a difference to him. That's hot. Don't piss me off. I'm the only one who doesn't think you're the primary suspect. Primary suspect? For what? All right, Lansing, you want to tell us why you did it? 
what I do? He thinks you killed Judy Nelson. I'd like to help you out. Only one problem. I didn't do it. Evidence doesn't point that way. Well, the limited amount of circumstantial evidence could be Dave here, or, stick with me, it could be the husband who we haven't even brought in yet for questioning. Yeah, what she said. Look, we're supposed to be a united front on this. Then maybe you should have just once listened to my opinion. Maybe if you hadn't reached that opinion within two minutes of interviewing the neighbor, but instead formed your conclusion after an exhaustive search for actual evidence. Actual evidence? We talked to a nosy neighbor, a disgruntled roommate, and a super pissed off ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend? Beatrice, don't go back to that well. She's totally dried up, you know what I mean? Look, Lansing, were you ever in the service? Merchant Marines? Did any sea duty? What do you mean? You know, a seaman. That's enough. So, what is it, Lansing? Not me. I get seasick in the shower. Yeah? Note for you, Friday. Thanks. What is it? What's it say? Madison, will you step into the hall? Lansing, we'll be right back. What is it? Read this. Lansing's handwriting doesn't match the label on the trunk. I knew it! I'm sorry, Joe. What was that? What were you about to say? Looks like we might have the wrong man. Which means, Madison, you were right. You were right about it not being Lansing. But we still have no evidence that it was the husband. Let's find out what Lansing knows about Judy's last night alive. Oh, I got this! Madison? You owe me. We continued to question the no longer prime suspect, David Lansing. He said he'd gone over to Judy's place at 7.30 that Friday night. Why'd you go to Mrs. Nelson's house that night? I wanted to try to talk some sense into her. I loved her. I wanted to marry her, but all the time this ex-husband... Who wasn't really an ex because they were still legally married. Well, yeah... He kept hanging around trying to get her to stay with him, so I went over to talk to her. Then what happened? I didn't call before I went over. That made her pretty mad. I'd be mad too if some guy just showed up at my place without letting me know he was coming first. Of course, I also don't like it when people call me unless they text me first to say they're going to call me. What? It's a thing. So I asked her what was wrong. She never acted like that before. Then she tells me Alan is coming up from San Diego. So the husband was in town that Friday night. Told you, told you, told you. Try to keep it together, Madison. This isn't a schoolyard. What else did Mrs. Nelson say? She said I couldn't stay long because Alan was coming up for dinner. She was cooking for him. The uneaten dinner on the table! Madison. Sorry, keep going. So I told her I wanted to marry her and I didn't want her to string me along anymore. I want her to make a decision. What'd she say to that? She said she had a way everything was going to work out. Said she'd let me know Saturday morning. And she told me she didn't want me there when Alan got there, so I left. About what time was that? I don't know. Close to 8, I guess. And you didn't hear from her Saturday morning, did you? We've established her time of death was Friday night, so no, he didn't hear from her Saturday morning. Yeah, duh. So what did you do when you didn't hear from her? Let me guess. You went to her house. No one was home. So you got drunk with Beatrice and left town without telling your roommate or your work because you were desperately trying to find Judy, right? Well, not entirely. I mean, when I didn't hear from her and saw she wasn't home, I thought maybe Alan had talked her into going to San Diego. So you went to look for her in San Diego? No, I got drunk for three days. You didn't try to look for her? This isn't a soap opera. Clearly. What do you know about her husband? Not much. He worked in San Diego. Yeah, we know that. I think he did something with photography? Sold cameras, maybe? I don't know. I only met him once. Mrs. Nelson ever tell you anything about his background? He liked San Diego because he used to work on a boat. Oh, oh, on a boat! Seaman! Yeah, I think he was a merchant marine for a while. That gonna make a difference? It will to you. Why's that? Now we only have to book you for being drunk. <laughs> okay, that was a good one, Joe. 
We got in touch with Sergeant Tony McGuire in San Diego and asked him to check on the victim's husband. Madison and I met with the chief of detectives and Captain Lorman. We laid out the information we'd been able to come up with, and they agreed we should take a drive to the Southland City. Road trip! And talk to Alan Nelson. It was night by the time we arrived. From the way he looked, he'd been in bed when we rang the bell. Yeah? Police officers, Mr. Nelson. May we come in? Uh, sure, I guess. OMG, this room smells like fish and feet. What do you want? I'd like to ask you a few questions. Couldn't have waited till morning? I think it could have. Then we wouldn't have to see him in his casually opened robe. Ugh. When was the last time you saw your wife? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Bring it down to a day. Why? You lay it out any way you want to, mister. We asked it simple. You can give us the same kind of answer. Damn, Joe. Getting all tough guy. Can it, Madison. Well, Nelson? Hey, I, I know my rights. You guys ain't from San Diego. You got no right asking me nothing. Oh, yeah? You want to take a ride downtown? We can ask the same questions just as easily at San Diego Police Headquarters. Right, Joe? Madison. Bad cop, bad cop? No? No. When'd you see your wife last? I don't know. Uh, once in a while. Not too often. We're getting divorced. The way we got it, you were trying to get her to call off the divorce. You've been listening to a lot of people with big mouths. All right, Alan. Get your clothes on. Thank you. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Uh, what do you want to know? Where were you Friday night? I was home all night. Uh, didn't feel too good, so I was here all night. Oh, please. In high school, I used to sneak off to parties all the time and came up with way better excuses than that. Can anybody back up your story? Well, no. Okay, rookie mistake right there. Name someone your parents don't know so they can't call them to verify where you were. Are you actually telling our prime suspect the best way to create a false alibi? He's obviously too stupid to do it for himself. I need an alibi? For what? All right, Nelson, we'll lay it out for you. Your wife's dead. What? Uh, when did it happen? Friday night. That's why you need an alibi for Friday night. Ugh. Can we just take him in for being stupid? And you think I had something to do with it? Everything we've got points that way. Why would I want to kill her? I mean, uh, what reason would I have? She's screwing David Lansing, for starters. This is a joke. He doesn't joke. Watch this. Hey, Joe. Knock, knock. All the evidence we've got points to you killing your wife. See? You mean that you've really got a case you can take to court? It's mostly circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence that strongly infers guilt upon the primary suspect. But there's no witnesses. And DNA testing isn't even a thing yet, so... Madison, would you like to step outside and explore the crime element in San Diego after dark? I was just making a point. Okay, okay. I saw her Friday night. She said she'd have dinner with me. Said we had some stuff to talk about. I thought she was finally through with that Lansing guy and was coming back to me. Go on. I would have done anything in the world she asked me to do if she would have just taken me back. Too little, too late. I went out in the kitchen with her. Uh, we talked while she put stuff on the plates. Then she just blurted out she was going to marry Lansing. Oh, that sucks. I tried to talk her out of it. She wouldn't listen. She just kept telling me to sit down and eat my dinner. Just kept telling me that. Eat my dinner. I just couldn't take it anymore. So you totally killed her? Yeah! I mean, what choice did I have? Totally not killing her. Why'd you put Lansing's name on the trunk? Well, I figured if I sent it to his place, he'd get blamed for it. And that almost happened if it wasn't for a spunky female police officer named Madison Standish. Get your things. You gonna take me back to Los Angeles? Shotgun! What? Where? No, no. I, I meant I get shotgun in the car. Passenger seat. God, Joe, chill. I loved her. You gotta believe me. It's important everyone believes me. One thing, mister. Yeah? Maybe you can convince us, but you won't ever be able to convince Judy Nelson. On November 18th, trial was held in Department 97 Superior Court of the State of California in and for the County of Los Angeles. Here, let me sum it up. Alan Nelson was tried and convicted of murder in the second degree. I guess because it wasn't premeditated or anything like that. 
and got sent to prison for a period of five years to life. Five years? Like you could kill your wife and stuff her in a trunk and you only go to prison for five years? That's some kind of messed up. Dragnet first aired as a radio series in 1949 in response to the popular noir and detective dramas of the time. Jack Webb, the creator and voice of Sergeant Joe Friday, wanted to bring authenticity to police work, describing the series as so real you could smell the coffee. And I still never got my mocha latte. Dragnet continued on to several incarnations in television and film, and is considered the precursor to modern police dramas such as Law & Order. Before the announcer dude reads the credits, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you left a review. And hey, tell me which are your favorite old-time radio shows, and I'll use your suggestions for future episodes. Madison on the Air is listener-supported. For just $3, you can buy me a mocha latte through ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash M-O-T-A. And for more information about the show and the cast, visit our website at madisonontheair.com. Thanks! Madison on the Air was written and produced by Chrissy Talon Sage with music composition and audio engineering by Jeremy Sage. The roles of Madison Standish and Beatrice were played by Chrissy Talon Sage. Tom O'Connor appeared as Joe Friday. Other actors in the cast were Jeremy Sage as Mark and Alan, Steve John as David, and Alexandra Bartley as Fern. I've been your announcer, Brian Peacock. Now Madison was working super hard on a makeup tutorial show. She was teaching smoky eyes to folks out there who really wanted to know when some freaky deaky science stuff only understood by nerds. You might never have heard Now she should probably be trying to get out But Madison, she's having fun Living an old-time radio life Our explanation is done Around Dodge City and in the Territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. What? No spoilers? And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. How do you handle anyone with the smell of gun smoke? Does he have really sensitive olfactory organs? Gun smoke. The story of the violence that moved West with young America. And the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man, Matt Dillon. United States Marshal. Ah, you know, Madison, a morning like this makes a man glad to be alive. This entire town smells like manure. A little nippy, maybe, but just fine. Indian summer's hanging on. Aw, jeez. This is a 1950s western. PC is not going to be on the menu, is it? You know, Madison, this time of year, I wouldn't trade western Kansas for everything east of the Mississippi. Wait, this is Kansas? Why the hell did Dorothy want to get back here so bad? Ah, good. Pedro's got a fire going. Pedro? Oh, God, please don't tell me you've got some Latino houseboy who sounds like Speedy Gonzalez. I made the fire. Oh, good morning, Caleb. I've been waiting for you to come in. You know Caleb Andrews, don't you, Madison? I don't know. You on Insta? Marshal, I have an order here from the U.S. District Court. I believe it's your job to serve such orders. Yeah, it is. I don't get them often, though. Hmm. Order of foreclosure and eviction on Ed Blake. Why are you doing this to Ed, Caleb? The man borrowed money from me. Gave me a mortgage on his farm and household effects. He can't pay it. Ooh, harsh. It only came due three days ago. You sure didn't waste any time. Three days? <laughs> My student loans haven't been paid in like six years. I'm not interested in either of your opinions. Are you interested in personal hygiene? 
Can I interest you in a toothbrush or perhaps some underarm deodorant? I don't need no lip from... Were you about to say woman? Because I'm wearing a gun and I have no idea how to use it. Calm down, Madison. All right, Caleb. Says here, amount of the mortgage, $420. What do you need with $420? You own half of Ford County now. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. His entire mortgage is $420? My monthly rent is three times that. Oh, but this is Kansas. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Marshall, it's not your place. You know as well as I do why Ed Blake can't pay this off. His horse rolled on him last spring and broke his leg. Oh, God, horses can roll? You're not getting me on a horse. No way. Western or not, I don't care. Then his wife and kid nearly broke their backs trying to get a crop out. I will never understand why anybody wants to be a farmer. I didn't come here to listen to you. If you let this ride on through the winter, you'll get your money out of it. But if you go ahead and foreclose now, you'll wipe them out. Marshall, I already have foreclosed. Ah, dick move. You'd break a man for $420 you don't even need, huh? I think I'm witnessing the birth of corporate banks. As I said, your opinions don't interest me. All I expect from you is to serve these papers. All right, I'll serve them. Is that really our job here? I was expecting more shootouts with bank robbers and less paperwork. You'll notice they're to be served today. I said I'd serve them. Now get out. This office belongs to the United States government. And as far as I know, that's one thing you got no mortgage on. I'm pretty sure in my day, rich guys do own the U.S. government. You may find I have some influence in Washington, Marshal Dillon. Then see if you can get me a decent salary for this rotten job of mine. Eee, somebody's cranky now. All right, Madison, let's saddle up. Saddle up? As in getting on a horse? Slow down. You were the one who didn't want to ride a horse. Well, I assumed you wouldn't either, and we'd both walk. Why should I get sore feet if I don't have to? Oh, God. These Prada heels were not meant for the outback. Outback? Deserty, prairie, whatever. Somebody needs to invent asphalt and plow over these... Ow! Cactuses! Cacti. You want to give me a vocabulary lesson? Because I have some choice words I could use right about now. Hey, Marshall. Hiya, Jimmy. Whoa, boy. Ew, uh, your horse snorted snot on me. Looky here what I got, Marshall. Well, it looks to me like a mighty dead coyote. Oh, that's disgusting. He's been killing my chickens, so last night I hid out behind the barn. Yeah? I got him with one shot, Mr. Dillon. Oh, goody. A little serial killer in the making. Matt Dillon, how are you? Oh, uh, good morning, Gertie. Who's this? Madison. Standish. Howdy or... Eh, whatever. You don't look so good, honey. Excuse me while I... I'm just gonna sit here on this rock, okay? Well, it's good to have some visitors. Why don't you two come on in? Well, thank you, but, uh... Jimmy, now that you showed the marshal your thing, take it away somewhere. It sure is a big one, ain't it, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, about the biggest I ever saw, Jimmy. I hope you're still talking about the dead coyote. Come on, let's go inside. Well, uh, we really can't stay, Gertie. Oh, nonsense. You don't get out here but once in a coon's age. She means raccoon! Oh, God, are we gonna get emails on this episode? Ed's not here, so I welcome the company. Well, we just can't, that's all. The thing is that, uh, uh, you see, Ed's away. Yes, he... he's in town. Matt, you're not yourself. What is it? Why, I suppose I ought to talk to Ed about this, but... maybe it'll be better if he hears it from you. Hears what? Well... Just pull the band-aid off, Matt. So, here's the thing, Miss Blake. Uh, Gertie. Some tough old West lawman you are. You can't even tell her that Caleb Andrews is foreclosing and evicting them. Oh, no. 
We were so sure he'd extend it. He knows what happened and why we couldn't pay it. We were sure he'd extend it. Yeah, well, he's a dick. Matt, uh, how long before we have to get out? Five days. So soon? You were right, Matt. Better that Ed hears it from me. Coming on top of everything else, it'll... Well, I can't let it break him. Gertie, if there's anything I can do, you... You let me know, huh? I'm sorry. Thank you, Matt. Come on, Madison. Let's head back. Ah, uh, no more walking. My kingdom for a Honda Civic. Matt, you've looked low all week. Oh, it's just things in general, Kitty. Sometimes you get to wondering if it's all worth it or not. The Blakes, huh? Madison was telling me. She also was telling me about something called Netflix and chill. Said you and I should try it. Ah, Madison talks too much. It's not your fault, Matt. Somebody had to serve the order. Somebody has to be hangman, too. Hey, guys. Hey, Madison. Life's never all good, Matt. There's always a little bad in it. Try making a living sometime as a dance hall girl. Dance hall girl? Oh, is that because in the 50s on radio you couldn't say whore? Excuse me? Like how when I love Lucy, they couldn't say pregnant. Are you calling me a pregnant whore? Wow, that conversation went south fast. There you are, Marshall. Stop by the jail. You better apologize, lest you want me to show you what a dance hall girl can do to that pretty little face of yours. I hope you're not going to give me makeup tips, because I can tell by your old cracked skin that you never moisturize. That Blake family, Marshall? They were supposed to vacate today. Not now, Caleb. Moisturize? I'll show you moisturize. Saloon fight! Now this is a western. Well, they haven't done it. Who hasn't done what? The Blakes. They haven't made the slightest preparation to- Is that all you got? I went to three summers of cheerleader camp. You gotta do better than that. Gah! Marshall, I believe I prefer to discuss our business elsewhere than in the presence of this- uh, this. Cat fight? This is the most fun I've had all week. Watching two pathetic pieces of used up baggage. What did you call me? Caleb, you're going to apologize to Miss Kitty and Madison right now. Apologize? If you think I'm going to apologize to this cheap harlot and your saloon girl. Wait, I'm the harlot? You do wear a lot of makeup. That's it, Caleb. I've had enough. Matt, you shouldn't have done that. Why not, Kitty? He had it coming to him. You knocked him unconscious! That is so badass. Up high. You don't know what that means. He'll do everything he can to hurt you now. He'll take it out on the Blakes, too. Yeah, maybe. Look, Kitty, I I just got an idea. Uh, I'll see you later. All right, Matt. Come on, Madison. Good fight, Kitty. And you did it in a corset. I'm thoroughly impressed. Later! But, Matt, the mere fact a man runs a bank doesn't always mean he's got a free hand in everything he does. A bank has stockholders, a board of directors, and I've got to listen to them. I think they'd approve the loan, Clem. Caleb Andrews is the biggest account I've got. Why, if I crossed him by taking this loan, you suggest? Matt... He'd break me. All right, Clem, forget it. It is so cute that you thought a bank would help people. Matt, I I realize I'm under obligation to you. You saved my life that time the James Brothers held me up. Saved the bank, too, in fact. A bank robbery with the James Brothers? Like Jesse James? Why aren't we doing that story instead of this Old West version of the 2008 mortgage crisis? If you want shootouts with bad guys, why don't you go over to the Lone Ranger? With Tonto, his Indian companion? Ugh, that shows a woke culture nightmare. I know I owe you, Matt. That was part of my job, Clem. There's no obligation. I was just asking you as a friend to help out another friend. It's not that I don't want to. I understand, Clem. I I really do. Hey, Clem. 
If you totally want to make it up to Matt, what can you do about my student loans? Madison. We'll talk later. And then you'll use the match to light the wood. I'm not going to lie. I cried for a week when we went from an electric to gas stove. But this, this is caveman stuff. It's a rough existence out here on the frontier. You're telling me. Your bathrooms are a hole in the ground with a garden shed over it. Still better than the porta potties at Coachella. Well, the fire ought to hold a while. Pretty cold out there. A wood-burning stove in a wooden building with wooden floors and no fire extinguishers. OSHA is going to be all over you. I guess we better have Pedro lay in some more wood. Please not, Pedro. We've gotten this far without any horrific stereotypes. Come in. Can we bother you, Matt? Ed! (laughs) Well, come in, uh, come in. Gertie! Well, hiya, Jimmy. Ah, well, uh, come on up to the uh, stove, folks. Come on. Kind of like to impose on you for tonight. I've got any place to go, no money. Wonder if we can sleep in the jail tonight. Oh, sure, Ed. Uh, Madison, will you get a fire going back there? Probably not successfully, no. Jimmy, you go along and help Miss Madison now. Go on. (laughs) All right, Ma. Aw, man, I'm not good with kids. Uh... Don't cry. Uh, hey, Jimmy, kill any helpless animals lately? He, um, he doesn't understand all this, Matt. He, he... Uh, Gertie, we may as well get your stuff out of the wagon. Well, there ain't any wagon, Matt, when you walked into town. Six miles? With that leg? I know, but that wagon, the horses, all the household goods, they're all covered by that mortgage. We didn't take anything except the clothes on our backs. So help me, Ed. If I could... Ed and I can accept it. We're not bitter any longer. Jimmy can't understand. He's... He's been carrying on pretty bad. But he's just a boy. And in time, he'll be able to... Okay. Good news or bad news first? What? Good news. I got the fire started. Yay me. What's the bad news? Uh, bad news. Uh, Jimmy... May have grabbed a rifle from the rack and ran out the back door. What? Where on earth is he going? I think I know where he's going. And heaven help Caleb Andrews if we don't catch him. This is why it's so important to have gun safety around children. Jeez, you guys sure do have a coyote problem out here, don't you? That's Caleb's house on the corner. Looks dark. He may not be home. At least I hope he isn't. I was really expecting more shootouts with outlaws, not some ten-year-old kid. We're not having a shootout with a ten-year-old kid. Good, because this is seriously bordering on police deadly force territory. Shh! I streamed all of the protests. I'm too woke to be a part of this. Quiet. There's somebody back of that tree, up there on the left. Is it him? Yeah, it's him, all right. I can see the moonlight on the rifle barrel. Jimmy, it's me, Matt Dillon. Go away, Mr. Dillon. Better go away. Don't bother me. I can't do that, Jimmy. You're a friend of mine, and I figure you're waiting here to do something that you'd be sorry for. And I can't let you do that. Nothing you can do about it, Mr. Dillon. I got a gun here, and I'm gonna kill him. You go away now. Leave me alone. Keep talking to him. And say what? Hey, little psychopath, please don't kill anybody. Just keep him talking. Fine. Jimmy? It's Madison. Miss Madison? Yeah. Hey. Um, I know how you feel. Uh, Caleb is a total douche nozzle. He took our farm. Yeah, and that sucks. But you can't just kill anybody you want to, even if he totally deserves it. Trust me, after my last boyfriend drained my bank account, I looked into it. I kept waking up nights and hearing Mom crying. Dad sits up all night without the lamp lit, not saying anything, just sitting. I've been there. When my boyfriend dumped me, I tried to drown my sorrows in pumpkin spice lattes. All it did was get me totally wired on caffeine and sugar. So I tracked down his car at his new girlfriend's apartment, slit the tires, and scratched Kevin's a whore on the hood. 
And as I watched the tow truck I called haul it away, I realized that, um... Uh, what did you realize? I realized revenge feels good, so probably not the most appropriate story to share right now. Easy now, Jimmy. Why did he do this to us, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Jimmy. But I think it's best we take that rifle back to the jail and put it in the rack and go to bed. Don't you? Yeah, Mr. Dillon. I'm sorry. And Miss Madison? Yeah, Jimmy? That Kevin is a whore. Aw, for the mouse of babes. I could have told you Clem at the bank wouldn't do anything, Matt. He wouldn't dare. He's scared of Caleb. Yeah, that's about what he said. I don't know, Kitty. I've done everything I could possibly think of. Hey, guys! Not you again. I apologize for the pregnant whore thing. No, you didn't. Didn't you get my text? Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> the worst of it is, everybody in town's just as scared of Caleb as Clem is. I doubt if they'll even have the nerve to bid against him at the sale. Ugh, are we still talking about the mortgage thing? No bank robbers or train robbers or... What about a stagecoach? Can't we stop a stagecoach robbery or something? Caleb will probably get the place at not much more than the amount of the mortgage. Four hundred and twenty dollars. Matt, I've seen more than that change hands across a poker table in one deal. I've spent more than that on a pair of shoes. Well, when my dad thought his credit card had, you know, gone missing. <laughs> I beg your pardon, Miss Kitty. Oh, hey there, Jack. I'm not usually one to eavesdrop on people, but I've been listening to you folks. Jack, have you met Marshall Dillon? No, I haven't had the pleasure. OMG, Kitty. You've gone to Funky Town with both of them, haven't you? It's hard for a single woman to make her way in the wild frontier. Hey, girl, I'm not judging. Live your best horror life. The reason I butted in, Miss Kitty, is I heard you talking about those people losing their home. I don't know this fellow, Blake. He's never done any business over at my table. No, I don't think he's ever been in here. So, safe to say you haven't slept with him? I don't know if this will make sense, but the thing is, I left home when I was ten years old, and I've been drifting ever since. When I see someone like this Blake that sticks it out and works and fights, and then gets a raw deal, well, what I'm getting at, here's fifty dollars, if that'll help him any. Is that how much he paid you? No. More? No. Less? Girl, value yourself. Well, this is awful decent of you, Jack. Matt, you said yourself that nearly everyone in town is afraid of Caleb. Yeah? Well, there's some who aren't, like Jack here, and me, and the rest of the dealers, and the gamblers, and the bartenders. So basically, all of your clients. Because we're drifters. We got nothing to lose. Matt, I'll raise $420 right here in the Texas Trail. I'll take you for a spin for 50 By collecting donations. You know, Kitty, I think you could. Well, I can't do as well as Jack, but here's 20 for me. Boys, everybody, now listen to me for a minute. I got something to say. Aw, Hollywood loves a whore with a heart of gold. You sure taking forever getting here. You tired? The only thing you have to do around here is play checkers. Since I'm not eight, yeah, I'm tired and bored and want to go to bed. We left him a message. That ought to bring him on the run, if anything will. Anytime Caleb figures he's about to lose a dollar or two, it's hitting him where it hurts. I liked it better when you actually did hit him where it hurts. Marshall, what's this all about? Shut the door, Caleb. We're trying to keep it warm in here. Would you mind telling me why I've been called over here at this time of night? Yeah, sure. Here's $420. The Blakes want to pay off the mortgage. They do, do they? The court costs up to now probably run about $10. Madison and I will pay that ourselves. Can you cover it now and I pay you back through Venmo? That's mighty generous of you. Is it a deal, then? I am not the least bit interested in having that mortgage paid off, Marshal Dillon. The Blake farm is worth about $2,000 now, and in five years... It'll be worth three times that much. Land's going up in Ford County. That's why I'm grabbing every piece I can get. 
so I don't want the money. I want the farm. And when it's put up for sale, I'll get it at my own price. The foreclosure still goes. I see. Douche nozzle! Good night, Marshall. Madison. That went about as well as the time I tried to get Kyle Thompson's attention in gym class by twerking, and just as he looked, someone smacked my butt with a volleyball. I don't know why I even thought he'd take the money. The ball bounced up in the air and hit the basketball hoop. The Blakes won't get a cent out of the sale. My ass scored two points. He'll scare everybody off and bid it in a few dollars over the amount of the mortgage, and nobody in town will even try to bid against it. Wait a minute. I got an idea. Great! This is the part where we get a posse together and deputize everyone with rifles and pitchforks and torches and stuff and go confront the bastard, taking him dead or alive, right? I'm going over and wake up Clem Rogers. Clem? The bank dude? No offense, but he looks pretty soft. I'm thinking you need to go round up some of those saloon guys. If my idea works, we'll hold a sale at noon tomorrow. A sale? What, like a bake sale so we could save the farm with brownies? I could go for some brownies. We're gonna hold an auction. Ooh, like a bachelor auction but with hunky cowboys? Count me in. All right, everybody, let me have your attention. I need all of the sexy cowboys to come up front. Uh, what Madison means is, this is a foreclosure sale of the property and household effects of Edward and Gertrude Blake. But I'm still requesting all of the sexy cowboys come up front. This auction, ordered by the court at the request of that fine-spirited, good-hearted public benefactor and friend and neighbor of us all, Caleb Andrews. Subtle, Matt. Real subtle. Marshall Dillon, I refuse to tolerate that. Caleb, I think we better get one thing straight right now. The law tells me I gotta conduct this sale, but the law doesn't tell me what I gotta say while I'm conducting it. Ooh, snap. Get on with it. All right, now the first item I'm offering is a breadboard. Ms. Blake tells me she's used this for nearly ten years. I doubt it'd be worth much to anybody. Suppose we started at 50 cents. Is there anybody here who bids 50 cents for Mrs. Blake's breadboard? Sexy cowboys would definitely go for more than 50 cents. How about you, Caleb? I'm not interested in the item. Get on with the sale. Anybody else? No? All right, then. The second item is a crib. Now you'll notice it's handmade. Ed built it himself 11 years ago, just before Jimmy was born. Marshall Dillon, may I suggest you lump the household effects together and offer them as one bulk item? I'm sorry, Caleb. I'd rather offer them one at a time. (laughs) Unless, of course, you care to waive all claim to the household effects and withdraw them from the order of foreclosure. I waive the claim. The household goods are withdrawn. Now get on to the house and land. So ordered. Ooh, I see what you did there, Matt. Nice. Now, the item offered is 160 acres of tillable land, a four-room house, and a barn. The amount of the mortgage is $420, held by Caleb Andrews. All right, the bidding's open. What am I offered? $450. Douche nozzle. I have $450 from Caleb Andrews. Do I hear another bid? Now, the farm's worth 2000 are you going to let him have it for 450 How about another bidder? That sounds like my cue. <clears throat> Marshall Dillon, I've been thinking about getting a place of my own and settling down. And? And? Oh, oh, and I bid $1,000. Oh. I have $1,000. Do I hear another bid? It's a trick. Unmarried woman can't own property. What in the name of the ERA are you talking about? Yeah, that's true, but... That's true? No wonder Miss Kitty has to whore it up. So she can't bid. But Madison is engaged. She's speaking on behalf of her fiancé. Fiancé? Is this in the rewrites? I didn't get the rewrites. Yes, your fiancé, Clem Rogers. Oh! Stringy old bank dude? A thousand dollars going once. Twelve hundred. Caleb Andrews bids twelve hundred dollars. What do you say, Madison? I say, 
any of you sexy cowboys unattached? No more bids. Madison. I have no idea which version of the script you're using. Mr. Andrews has bid 1200 Congrats to him. At least he's not getting married off to some ratchet old bank creep. Do you have a counterbid, Madison? Say, 1500 Yeah, yeah, whatever. What's going on here? The bid is $1,500. Going once, going twice. $1,600. $1,600 from Mr. Andrews. Madison? Bank dude's gotta be like 40 Why do they always cast super old guys with hot young chicks? Madison, how much money are you holding there? Huh? Oh, uh... $8,420. The bid is $8,420. Oh! I bet she's never had that much money in her whole life. Not true. There was that one summer in college when I told my parents I was going to study abroad, but instead took the money and went on a Jamaican cruise. Do I hear another bid? Well, what do you say, Caleb? Do you think I'm a fool? I do. Going once, going twice, sold to Madison Standish for $8,420. The buyer will come forward and complete the sale. There you go. $8,420. Second, Caleb. Caleb, I guess $420 of this is yours, and that takes care of the mortgage. Well, Ed, looks like you made a pretty fair profit on the place. Yeah, a lot better than I expected. Here's your money. Thank you, Matt. But I tell you, I'd still rather have the farm than the money. You'd still rather have the farm, you say? Madison? My line? Uh, I don't want the farm after all. I guess I'll just be happy living off of my old bank dude husband's salary. So if you want to buy it, Ed, I'll take a $420 loss and sell it back to you for $8,000. Done. Here's your money. This is unheard of. They can't do that, Marshall. Well, as far as I know, there's no law against someone selling their own property, Caleb. Now, the way I see it, Mr. Andrews, you're a trespasser on my property. Come on, let's go. Let go of me, Blake. Who do you think you're manhandling? Madison, you better get that $8,000 back to the bank. Glim Rogers is probably worrying himself into a breakdown for fear somebody would find out that he let us borrow it. I can't believe you cast me opposite Clem. My agent's going to hear about this. The important part is that we got the farm back to the Blakes. Why couldn't you have made one of those cowboys my fiancé? That one in the blue bandana was totes hot. You mean Pedro? That's Pedro? Damn! Later, lawman. Hey, Pedro! Hold up a sec! Gunsmoke first aired on radio in 1952. While most westerns of its era, both on radio and film, were geared towards kids, Gunsmoke gave the Old West adult themes and characters. Its popularity carried over to a long-running television series which reached into the mid-1970s. Today, Marshall Dillon remains a symbol of all iconic law keepers of the American Old West. Before the announcer dude reads the credits, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you left a review. And hey, tell me which are your favorite old-time radio shows, and I'll use your suggestions for future episodes. Madison on the Air is listener-supported. For just $3, you can buy me a mocha latte through ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash M-O-T-A. And for more information about the show and the cast, visit our website at madisonontheair.com. Thanks! Madison on the Air was written and produced by Chrissy Talon Sage, with music composition and audio engineering by Jeremy Sage. The role of Madison Standish was played by Chrissy Talon Sage. Bran Peacock appeared as Marshall Matt Dillon. Additional actors in the cast were Steve Jun as Caleb, Alexandra Bartley as Kitty, Steppy Kume as Jimmy, Kitten McCleary as Gertie, Pete Navis as Ed, and Jeremy Sage as Jack. I've been your announcer, Tom O'Connor, also appearing in the role of Clem. And that's this week's show. Check out all show notes on sonicsociety.org. And for Jack Ward and myself, David Alt, see you next week for our season 16 finale. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. 
All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. There are a number of everyday precautions that we can all take that may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. The first is to make sure to clean your hands often. Now, washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds is the best, but if you don't have that, try to use a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. And to the extent possible, avoid touching high-touch surfaces in public places. These are things like elevator buttons, door handles, handrails, or of course handshaking with people. Wash your hands after touching surfaces in public places. Avoid touching your face, your nose, and your eyes. And clean and disinfect your home to remove germs, practicing routine cleaning of frequently touched surfaces like tables, doorknobs, light switch handles will make a difference. Avoid crowds, especially in poorly ventilated spaces. All these small things that we can do may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.